Nah. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Welcome. What's your name? Jed. What's your name? Jed. Uh, uh, Mike Jed. <laughs> what's going on? Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? Not a whole lot. Um, I'm losing my voice. Can you hear it? Can I kind of, I kind of am too. That's funny. A little bit. You it's bet. all the pollen in, in South Cat. Yeah, it's bad here too. It's like a bunch bad. of rain is coming your way though. Anyway. Thank uh, God. Yep. Like a bunch. I of don't it. think anybody gives a shit. So. No. Yeah. Um. It's, when people it's do raining care about sideways. Those shout outs. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got some shout outs, Jed. Read them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. I want to say first, what's up to my boy Josh Laney, who I keep people keep hounding me to watch John Wick too. People. Yeah, please keep it's not hounding gonna happen. Him. It's gonna happen. It ain't gonna it's not Jay gonna Jay gave a dog. stipulation that if uh you join the Patreon, he will watch it and record a review for a bonus episode. I will do that, but you have to tweet us and say like, "I the reason I joined Patreon." Yeah, was we need to know yeah. for John Wick. Like, I gotta know. Yep. So if you join Patreon just because you wanna, you want me to watch John Wick. You so basically, you could just pay a dollar for a month just to just to make Jay suffer, and it would mean the world to me, you guys. Like, it would just mean the world <laughs> such to a me. T- you're such a dick. <laughs> you're gonna love it, is the joke. So That's, anyway, that. Josh, I'm going to give a very I'm going to have I'm going to go into it with an open mind, but I I am going to come with a very critical critique of John Wick 2. I think that that was well, kind cr- of critiques are critical. Right. Yeah. Um <laughs> anywho, also I want to shout out our boy Tom Lutz. Apparently, he <coughs> was um did lots of driving around on Easter and listened to a lot of church and other drugs. So appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Oh, and um, yeah. um, Ben Gary, my boy in the UK. Ben, what's up, dude? Sorry it took uh, so like he sent me a messenger, and like if I'm not friends with him, it'll like put like someone has sent you a message request, and like I, I don't even see that, so oh, it's been yeah. there for like yeah, yeah. three weeks. That's pretty common. Yeah, so I felt like a it's jerk, hard. but. It's hard to see Thanks, well, man. You are a jerk. I am. I am. Uh, um, but the most important shout out of the evening. Are you ready for this? Can I get a drum roll, please? Jed the drummer. We have a new Patreon, ladies and gents. Mr. Nathan Honaker. Thank you. Nathan, appreciate my man, you. Nate. Appreciate it, my man. We appreciate it, you, dog. We en- got two Nates now in the con- in the Patreon congregation. We just had a riveting Bonus episode about North Korea. It was good. And, uh, and Dayman. <laughs> and Dayman. That's exactly Dayman! It, so, um, so what's going on with you, fool? Uh, it's, I, I need to make a, uh, an intro for this, but it is time for Things I Heard in Drug School. Drug school. Things I heard in drug school. I think it should be like a game show, like a game show sounding. Yeah, like bing. Yeah, okay. So come on. This was this one was kind of sad. Our teacher said, 
I'm developing a theory that addicts, uh, all addicts, have PTSD, which is a really interesting theory. Uh, our yeah, new teacher, our new teacher for this quarter is like really fucking smart. He sounds just like Rodney Dangerfield. And so I asked him, I was uh-huh. like, I said, will you please say? I, I get no respect, and he was like, "Oh, I get no respect." And I was a fucking horrible danger field, but yeah. Anyway, what a, he said, "What am I, a bologna sandwich?" It was good. Uh, awesome. So <laughs> this chick in front of me was taking notes, and after he said that, I saw her <laughs> Google PTHD because uh, <clears throat> she typed. She typed do. Do a, uh, this is what she, this is what she typed. This is verbatim. I could see her computer. Do addicted traumas suffer from PTHD? Question mark. And then she googled PTHD and went back and typed post traumatic heart disorder. And oh I didn't God. have the heart. I didn't. Lord. I did not have the heart to be like, oh, sweetie, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I would have tapped her. I would have tapped her. On uh, dude, it would. It just seemed dickish. Um, yeah. After that, we were the next good thing. We were going around the room, and he was like, "Tell us um, what you do, and uh, you know your job and all that." A little icebreaker. Who is your father? Who is what your father, and what does he do? So it got to this one girl, and he was like, "So you, what have you done?" And she goes, "He goes, what have you done? Where have you worked?" And she goes, "I don't know." Restaurants and drugs. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it was really That's the best funny. Answer ever. It was restaurants and drugs. Um. Oh yeah. All right. This is just a, a little, just a one-liner. He called decision-making junky logic, which I thought was pretty funny. The teacher did. Um, I like that. It is good. I just wrote that down because I liked it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> So, he was explaining ethics, okay, and okay. he was Business explaining a situation where, ethics. like, yeah, no, it was like counseling ethics, and he was explaining a situation yeah, where yeah. if a client um, wants to sell you, like, a car or something at a super discount, and he was like, you can't do that, and this guy in the back goes, so, you can't buy... A motorcycle for three thousand less than five thousand. Well, explain that. And the teacher was like, "Why?" And he goes, "Because I'm in a situation like that right now." <laughs> <And I was, laughs> uh, oh, it, was, it was great, dude. That's uh, incredible. He also said, "Rule number one of counseling is don't sleep with them." <laughs> so nice. I was like, oh, that's okay. actually like, "Yeah, that's, that's actually the- when I sit down with new with new guys, that's one of the three thing, four things that I tell them. I was like, "There's four things," so I go through these things, and I was like, "And the fourth one is, no fucking newcomers." Yeah, yeah, anyway. exactly. Not, not, yeah, no, yeah. Anyway, no. new newcomers are allowed. He meant no sleeping with newcomers. No fucking newcomers at this meeting. <laughs> yeah. None. None. Um, all right, and this is what started. The next is what started the, the shitstorm. So there's this kid up front, and Jay wanted me to record it, which I wanted to, but it would have been probably violating some sort of something, so I didn't. But there's this really, like, uh, kind of I'm better than you acting kid, and he just, it started with him saying, well, and I, I wrote down in effeminate voice, 
quotations. Well, I don't believe in God or spirituality or the 12 steps. I'm an atheist. And, and just like said it just, I'm an, I'm an atheist. So like y'all are idiots, basically like that. And so he just started kind of making enemies from the get go. And every wait, and it's time out, not because you're an atheist or you don't believe in the 12 steps or you don't like it. you made enemies because no, 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 no. we're not there yet. We're not... Wait, what? I'm saying you're a, you started making enemies from the beginning because you're a dick, not because you're an atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just, yes, you know what I mean? exactly, exactly. Well, because he kept like no one else was like, OK, so what? But any time the teacher would say something about the spiritual aspect of anything, he would just mutter to himself like, that's bullshit. There's just blah. There's no such thing. Blah, 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 blah. And we're all just like, all right, kid, calm down. And <laughs> so then we get to uh, medication-assisted therapy and methadone. And he raises his hand and goes, oh, yeah, I mean, it's great. I've been on methadone for two years. And we were all just like, oh, oh. yeah, I get it. <laughs> and so, dude, that just started a shit storm. And he, like... These are, these are some of the things he said about it. Quote, unquote. Methadone has a higher success rate than AA. And my favorite, methadone can't even get you high. And we were like, are you insane? I was like, I was like, you. And he was like, AA just doesn't work for hardcore junkies. And he was like, I was doing like two grams a day. And my friend goes, Jed, how much were you using? And I was like, eh, about two to three grams a day. And he was like, exactly. And everyone was just like, and I was like, so dude, how long do you want to be on methadone? He was like, I'm going to be on it forever. And I was like, okay, then have fun with that. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. That's tough. I guess it's better than dying. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it it is. And it wasn't, it wasn't that, you know, if you're on methadone, cool, dude, whatever. But he would not fucking drop it. And like, even we class was over and then the next day he brought it back up about how just like my recovery program is supported by science yours is supported by lies and we were just like dude calm the fuck down like a A, they may be lies but i'm still sober yeah b like why who are you really trying to convince that's what i'm saying it was like yourself so like, that's cool, man. We're not knocking your thing, but you don't have to aggressively attack our program either. Like, just just <laughs> yeah, sit sure. there. And, and he had the opiate twitch going on. So like, he was just like, <laughs> he was he was just he was so he was so wound up, dude, and just like muttering to new? himself. Yeah, he was new to this semester. We'll see if he comes so, back next month. I was just gonna say, odds are, what do you think? Over or under. Uh, he'll probably, I mean, you pay for the quarter, so I, I think he'll finish out the quarter, maybe. I don't know, maybe not. We, I mean, he pretty much, like, ostracized. But it was cool. Our teacher was so good that he was, like, he just, like, let this all unfold and was like, see, this is the stuff you're going to have to deal with. He's like, y'all just work this out like adults. It was, yeah, Yeah, it was sure. cool. That's awesome. And I think he was just enjoying it, because he was just watching. Oh, I'm sure. He just sat back and I'm watched sure. the shitstorm. Oh, he did have this good quote. This is, and this is, um... This is the quote from the teacher. Uh, Regardless of your beliefs, you have to help your client, speaking on like methadone or whatever, or just different stuff. Right. Regardless of your beliefs, you have to help your client find their path. When we're dead, we're all in the same program. And I was like, ooh. Uh, Oh, I don't know if we are, though, because I'm going to heaven. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. 
So, yep, it was a good one. Um, Word. Speaking of good ones, let's go talk to our boy, Ricky Rick. The Rickster. The Rickster. Crickety crack. So so stoked. Rickety cricket. Yeah, man, that's a good one. Yeah. So if you haven't noticed by now, we're we're trying to do like one week serious, one week drugs. Rick and Rick's both. Yeah, this one is both actually. Drugs. This one this one actually has a really good super like, serial. It has a yeah, it has a really good message to it. But uh you be the judge of Rick's that. The man. Rick is the man. Here we go. Uh So we are here with Rick C. from beautiful Mount Pleasant, South CAC. Uh, you want to tell the congregation what's what up, is Rick? What is South what's CAC, up? dude? <laughs> you know South CAC. I do, Come but on, no one else man. does. South CAC's South- the hottest state in the in the United States, man. You know, That's right. You know how We're long about to drop the hottest mixtape of 2017. You know how long That's it right. took me to convince people that like South Carolina is an actual state. And they would just be like, where are you, where are you from? <laughs> North Carolina? And I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. South. And they're like, what? What is that? Who did that? It was that song in like 2001 Nelly. about North Carolina. Nelly. Come on and raise up. Yeah. Take your shirt off. That's the, that's what. Country Grammar by us. Nelly, man. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Dropping screwed us. Nelly. Yeah. So, Rick, um, oh, first, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. How you guys doing? And, we're good. 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 You look just, good. Just you look got good. Young guys. Good look. Both of you really good looking. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the. Uh, got, all your hair, got all your hair. You're alive. It's, yeah. I've, we're alive. The That's the miracle. I've always That's said right. it's the. Um, it's, That's right. It's the heroin preservation. I really think there's something to that. <laughs> Formaldehyde in yeah, it? I guess. <laughs> so, congregation, just to give a little. Um, I don't know, context, I suppose. Rick and I got sober around the same time in the same home group in Mount Pleasant, and we have been brothers since. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. Right. For sure. We've been through all the ups and downs and all that stuff. And um, I certainly think Rick has an interesting story. So we wanted to come on and um, have him tell you guys. Rick's. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick is swatting at imaginary flies. Yeah, I'm pretty it. sure he's I, drunk. Nah. <laughs> you might, it might look like that, but um, here in South Carolina, we have um, we have killer mosquitoes, and one got in, and he's, he's decided to torment me. Yeah. You know, he's going to catch you in your sleep. Yeah, right, right, at the, yeah. right at the beginning here. Yeah. Isn't that like an old... Of- isn't that like an old Asian... Um, what are those called? I was, about, I was about to say, I was, I was about to say prophecy. No, uh, parable. It's like <laughs> parable. Uh, like anyone that says, um, 
something small can't change the world has never like gone to sleep with a mosquito in the room or something like that oh nice uh, it's, I, I butchered I like it. it but uh, ancient, nice. ancient chinese a secret secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> men with itchy bum wake up with stinky finger Stinky finger <laughs> <laughs> man who eat, man who eat jelly bean fought in technicolor <laughs> 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 oh, men who sit on toilet high on pot <laughs> i love it i love it so rick um how long you been sober give us a little kind of background yeah so um i got clean and sober i'm a i'm a recovered alcoholic and really drug addict um and i got uh my sobriety date is October 5th of 2008. Damn. And I, I started, I really started trying to get clean. I don't know, may, maybe the end of 2006. Um, and, and probably should have tried getting clean before that. I was, uh, what, what really did me in was cocaine. I, I was an everyday pot smoker from, from teenage years um you know i drank for i drank for as a teenager i drank binge drank you know most as a at least where i was from you drank and you drank to get wasted i never there was no social drinking as a as a teenager you drank to where you where are you from uh, i grew up in maryland oh okay Weird. Yeah, my dad. My dad was military, and he got stationed at the Pentagon, and that's where we ended up. And um, ooh, and so, um, man, I got questions about that, but that's another time, I'm sure. No, that's cool. a conspiracy I'm a conspiracy theorist. nut. So, <laughs> all right. Um, and um, but once I found once I found reefer, I didn't find reefer until I was 18 years old. My first night of college, I got past a uh, a bowl. And I smoked some some pot while I was drinking beer and and drunk, and um, that first hit of marijuana, like it was, like I had found what I had been looking for. That was the ticket. Oh yeah, ticket. And like the next day, I went searching it out, and I was like, "This is that's what I need." And I smoked I smoked marijuana. I I'm set out on a mission that I was you know. I could do this stuff and I could fly under the radar um, smoking marijuana. I could smoke this stuff. I could brush my teeth and I could go to class and yeah. I could do, you know, I could do anything high. And my goal was, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be high. I'm yeah. just, <laughs> and I didn't know how long it was going to last, but I knew that I could smoke, I could get high and in the morning and then go to class and I could come back and get high again. And then, you know, I could just do this oh, all yeah. day, every day. And it just, it just perpetuated itself. And I graduated college and I, I got a nice job in sales and, you know, I, I don't know anyone else that traveled around with a backpack and a, you know, a 10 inch water pipe in a backpack in their car <laughs> and poured, poured the water, poured the water into the bong and drove around with their knee and, and lit the, you know, lit the bong and did bong hits and then poured the water out, and put it, put a rag in it and put it back in the backpack. And, you know, a couple oh, hours later, did the same thing. Was and, that one of those um, back in the day ones, the plastic ones too, that sucked yeah. back before? Have you seen US- what- have you US. seen what the kids have these days, dude? They are like, 
Oh my god! I saw one that I swear to God it, it must it must do your taxes too. Like it looks so multifunctional, like <laughs> ridiculous, man. Yeah, I feel like I'm so out of the loop now. Which oh is, yeah, which me good. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, it's a good loop to we be missed out of. Out. Well, we uh, missed out on like they're smoking wax now. They're doing all kinds of stuff. I missed out on. Yeah. If I tell myself I'm missing out, I, I'll I'll be in, in trouble. So right. That's right. true. That's true. That's true. But you know, I, I uh, at the end of it all, man, I was, I was, uh, you know, I credit cocaine for taking me down. Um, but you know, I, weed was like my, was my real, really my drug of choice for a lot of years. And I, mm-hmm. I dabbled, I dabbled in cocaine. I dabbled in, um, in, in pills. Um, I got hooked on benzodiazepines, on Xanax. And I, you know, I did a lot of LSD and I did a lot of mushrooms and I chased, so I, I, uh, I was, I was into the Grateful Dead. Um, I saw, uh, a, a bunch of dead shows. I did, a, um, you know, I saw a lot of music chasing, a um, an experience, I guess, with drugs and alcohol and music. And, um, but the one constant in my addiction was always, um, marijuana and, um, you know, from morning until night. And I could count on my, on uh, probably less than 60 days total in, in 22 years where I didn't, I didn't get high on marijuana. And, and I think those, those days I was drinking. So yeah. uh, it never yeah. turned on you. Like marijuana was just good until the day you quit. No, it did. I had a, I had a couple of, had a couple of periods, like when I was 23, so I, I grew up. I grew up a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, at eight years old, I, I accepted Christ um, with my parents, and I had a. Um, I had a unique. My brother and I both had unique um, experiences becoming Christian. Like we accepted Christ, and um, like the moment that that we we said this the prayer, um, and after right after the prayer, we both like started vomiting. No way! Whoa. Like like. Uh, like the enemy was being re- removed from us. Whoa. Um, I remember, I eight years old. My brother and I both started vomiting. That's gnarly. Uh, and then at age 14, I recommitted um, and got baptized in the Baptist church. But at that point, my, my folks were divorced and I was living with my mom and I had already started to, to, you know, binge drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of fast forward. I never lost my faith. I never lost my beliefs. I never said, you know, no, I don't believe in this. But I started to. Did you just kind to, of push it down? Yeah, I just started to party. Was there? Uh, yeah. Was there any? Did you rationalize it, or was it like, God, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but like, just, just like, I'll quit one day, just like back up. Or were you like, yeah, God, thank you for this weed type of thing? No, I didn't. I wasn't like that. I knew. I knew what I was doing was was not particularly right, but I went ahead and did it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, um, and you know, as I got into my early twenties, and, and I would I would go to I would even go to church high. Um, yeah. So it's like I I didn't. I didn't um, turn my back on my faith. Um, I just kind of plowed forward in what I was doing and kind of went, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know what to do, but I do know that I'm going to keep 
I'm going to keep doing this. Um, right. And, and you asked if it turned on me. So yeah, I had, I had some times where, you know, weed really bogged me down and I had like a personal crisis at age 23 where I was like, you know, man, I can't do this anymore. And I take up, I take all my weed and all my paraphernalia. I, I grab it all together the, all the cleaning stuff, the pipes, the bongs, all of it. And I take it, <laughs> lived in Virginia Beach at the time. I take it to the top of the bridge, all right, and throw it into the water. And oh. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. And then I go meet with the pastor at the Baptist church, all right? And I meet yeah. with him, and I talk with him, and I'm like, here's what's going on. And he gives me some pamphlets to read, and I bring home the pamphlets, and, you know, I'm praying. And, um, and then, like, the next day, I'm thinking, I feel better. And I'm like, what have I done, man? What, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. So I go and I buy, I buy, uh, I buy some new, uh, a new pipe and a new <laughs> some, some dolphins <laughs> like, thanks, Rick. <laughs> you know? So like that scenario happened when I was 23 and it happened again when I was like 29. Um, it happened a couple times where, yeah, me too. I just got so bogged down that, um, that I wanted, like, that was the first time in my life where I realized wow, I, I think I might have a problem. Um, and then I quickly went back on it and said, you know, no, I don't. And um, yeah. I just stuffed yeah. it for, for well, years. Well, because those, man, those, if you were like me when I did that, those like, those um, repentance moments were so like emotionally charged and it felt so good and just the weeping and like, oh God, I'm sorry and take this from me. It's like, those felt really good. And then, but it's then, cathartic. yeah, but then it, it would, it would wear off, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it's like, well, back to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, what I didn't realize was that I was an addict. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and that I couldn't stop. And only in hindsight, you know, once I finally got clean and sober in 08, only in hindsight could I look back at that and go, you know, no wonder, you know. So when um, when did you um, try to seriously get sober and what was the cause of that? Well, so I, I, uh, I started getting so, – I got I got hooked. I'll, I'll just kind of throw some background. I got um, I kind of stayed on the weed train for um, weed and alcohol for like ten, a, de- a decade or so, and then I got um, I got prescribed Xanax in the early two thousands um, for anxiety, and I quickly got hooked on those. And um, and because I got hooked on those, and I could only get cert- a certain amount in my script. Um, that was back when you could order them on the internet. Yeah. And so I, I was ordering those, I was ordering bars on the internet and I was stockpiling them in my closet. And so I, 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 I got, I got addicted to those and I was, you know, I was taking a, a nice dose of that. And then how, how many, oh, what's the yeah. most you had at one time stockpiled? Oh, I had hundreds of bars in my closet. <laughs> I didn't, I was always, so oh, uh, you were probably was, so addicted. That I was, sucks. I was fortunate. <laughs> I was fortunate enough that um, I started to make um, money in my um, early and mid thirties, and um, so along with that came the ability to like stockpile um, the yep. stuff that I needed. And that's and, that's every yeah. that's every addict's uh, if card. It's like if I just had enough money 
then I can make this work. I swear I can. If I, if I just have enough, and if I just have enough money, then I'm good. And so right. it's always good to hear that someone that did that, and it's like, nope, it just no, no it does not work. No, in fact, in fact, the money, um, you know, I started. That's when I got back into cocaine. You know, one night at a at someone's mm-hmm. house, there's a plate of cocaine there, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll do a couple rails, and <laughs> but you know, just that, a couple that that turned into you know that friday night turned into friday and saturday night and then it turned into you know thursday friday saturday and then it turned into wednesday thursday friday saturday and before i knew it you know it was every day and it was like um, the the happy days theme song except on cocaine that's right that's right (laughs) 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 and it was it was happy days for a little while yep But, but then you know Happy days turns into miserable late night, early morning when the birds are chirping, and yeah. uh, you know you start stringing, you start stringing one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, and um, when I became an everyday cocaine user, um, it it became like a challenge to all right, how many days can I do it in a row without bleeding out through my nose mm. or. Yep. Um, you know, and so the runs kept, it was now, okay, I'm going to do it every day. And, um, how many days can I do it until I have a crash for three days, recover and then start over again. And, um, it was just a vicious cycle. And, and so it wasn't until, and I had enough money that I could, I could do, you know, I could do as much as I wanted. Um, and, and it wasn't a problem. I had a, you know, about a $1,500 a week cocaine habit. And Were you single? Um, no, I was married. Ooh, how did that work? How did that, how? Um, <laughs> so, or, or did she use, you know, you know the question I'm asking. Yeah, so um, there was a lot of denial going on. Mm-hmm. And so I would come, I would do it at work during the day. And then I would come home and I would basically try to kill the clock until Ugh, that's the worst. She, she and the kids would go to bed and then I would stay up working and then, you know, I'd roll to bed at 4 a.m. and I'd lay in the bed um, trying not, you know, with my heart pounding that in my is, throat. I do. That is the yeah. worst. I would do that too. Like, yeah. And trying not to let anyone know that I was breathing. Yeah. And it's like you, you sweating. I would always go at like four thirty cause I knew I could oh. then get up at like six to, to go back to work. Over. And, and then hopefully she thinks uh, I've just been in bed since two or whatever. Yeah. God, that is yeah. the worst thing ever. And at that point she was medicating with red wine and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was pretty sick. Yeah. And, um, and so I think your question was, when did I start trying to get better? And that was like in the end of 06, um, I started to try to quit. And when I started to try to quit is when it really kind of kicked into overdrive. And, um, I think I was telling, I don't know if I was telling you Jay or, um, but like I was doing, like we were, I had a family, I had kids and we would go to church and, um, you know, I was, I was doing stuff like, you know, we were joining the church and I was going to, um, you know, I would roll into, roll into, into church 
on a Sunday morning. And if it was during a run, then, you know, it was during a run. And I had to get up in the middle of the service to go to the bathroom to do what it was that I did. And um, so I did a lot of bad stuff that, you know, that God ultimately forgave me for, you know, doing drugs doing drugs in the bathroom during the church service and, um, you know, just stuff that, uh, that I'm not proud of. Oh yeah. I've been Um, there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things, um, things, those are definitely the ones you're like, well, I'll never do that. And then, yeah, that's right. You you definitely will. Yeah. So what was your first interaction with a 12 step program or programs or what did that look like? Well, and, um, in early 2008, um, I had a, I did like a, I did 17 days where I didn't really stop, stop doing coke and re- very little sleep. And I had a, um, I had a night where I sat in the corner of my room and I hallucinated and, and um, I had the devil in the room with me and I, um, I, I had visual and audio hallucinations um, and uh and that scared, that scared me. It spooked me. I slept for three days and then I, I, I came out of that and I, I basically came clean to my wife and I came clean to some of my friends that, uh, that I had a problem mm-hmm. and that if they saw me doing it again, I needed to, to go away. Mm-hmm. And, and I took myself over to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, but by the time I got over to Narcotics Anonymous, it was about a week, I had already relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, so I went in there, um, and I was high on cocaine and marijuana and actually all of it. Um, and, uh, that was my first experience was here, uh, in town, um, mm-hmm. at, at Narcotics Anonymous. And, you know, they go around the room and I'd never been to any type of meeting before. I didn't know what any of it was about. I just knew that I needed some help. And they go around the room and everyone's introducing themselves, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm an addict. And, um, you know, it got to me and I just said, you know, my name's Rick. And, you know, I don't really know, I don't know what to do. And um, I was, you know, I was really, I was hopeless. And there were people in the room that had a lot of hope. And Mm -hmm. um, I was really, really down. And I went to that meeting for about two weeks and, um, I talked with some guys. There was a guy there that, uh, there was a Christian guy who invited me to go to celebrate recovery, but I didn't go. Um, and within that two weeks, I decided that I need to go away to treatment because I was going to NA meetings, you know, high as a kite and I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Yeah. So I went and ended up going away to treatment. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he came back from treatment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I came back from treatment and I spent, um, 45 days, um, at an inpatient treatment. I came, came back from treatment and I relapsed, um, bought a new whip. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I bought a, I bought a, a car the day after I got back. I'm thinking, That's you know, good, good brand, decision. brand new life. Um, my truck was full of weed and cocaine residue and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get the truck cleaned, towed away, cleaned, went, went and got a used Mercedes Benz, 
you know, I was, naturally, I was high, I was high styling and, oh, um, yeah. and I'm thinking, all right, new life, new car. Um, I, I really felt like I'd been to treatment and I think I got this thing. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't long until that car steered itself down to the ghetto and I was <laughs> buying cocaine again. That was yeah. a nice big body bends too. I tell you what, it's yeah. so funny thinking about white boy Rick rolling into the hood with that big body bends to buy blow. <laughs> and the, the worst part about that was, um, now I had a little bit of recovery in me, at oh, least some yeah. knowledge, some knowledge. And it was all out in the open. So when I relapsed and, and you know, my wife knew like, it was like the phone's ringing, I'm high. And, Ugh. um, she's looking at the bank account. And um, she's going, you know, you need to come home. And I'm going, no. Oh, and that is the. I'm shutting the phone worst. down, and I'm and I'm gone. And um, you know, a one night relapse at first, and then a five day relapse, and then you know, every time I relapsed that that summer, it was uh, it was awful. It, and, you, um, it was always snorting. Um, yeah, I, I I snorted cocaine, and then that. That summer, um, I started smoking cocaine. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would have started shooting it if I could have figured it out. Right, because it right. it stopped. You know, it's it's almost like I tell once I got once I got into the rooms and I started trying to get sober. It's like my consumption level, like the disease, just I could do a quarter ounce in a couple hours. I'm um, telling you, it's like the. Um, I always relate that one Bible verse that it's like once one once you get out the one demon and clean your house, he's gonna come back with seven more, and that's like the correlating verse I always think of because it's just so true. And I always tell people if you do drugs long enough, you're gonna smoke crack. <laughs> like that's just you do it. <laughs> there's right. just nowhere else to go, man. Yeah. You're going that's to. Right. And then right. then then that's just it. Then it's over with. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's going on with the wife and the family? At, at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at that point, every time I relapse, um, she's taking the kids and she's splitting. Mm. And, um, you know, we did some experiments. Like, uh, you know, my family convinced her to, uh, to take over our bank account. So I signed away my bank account to her. I gave her my wallet. Um, my checkbook, been, my keys. Been there. Yeah, and then, um, then I obsessed about and dreamed about um, harming her, um, slitting her throat, killing her. Wow. Um, all to get my money back because, um, you know, I needed to. When it was on, I needed to use. And then I would, I would figure out. I. Um, she had thrown me out one time and uh, so I was out of the house and then I would break it back into my house and steal my own stuff from my house and take it and pawn it when I didn't have access to money. Um, and at this point in my life, I was, I had a, a pretty good amount of money and, you know, I was break, I was stealing my own stuff to take it to the pawn shop so that I could go and buy cocaine. And, um, and so I finally convinced her to give me back my my wallet and my money and my keys or else, you know, that I was thinking these terrible thoughts about harming her. And she did. 
and you know I immediately used and right. um, you know it just got it just got really bad um, you know so there what, were so what happened um, at the end of the great white ship shortage of 2008 so um, you know that that summer I was uh, I was in NA and I was in I was trying to celebrate recovery at church um, which was good I just I wasn't getting sober and then I was in AA and um, and then I started to go to cocaine anonymous CA so mm-hmm. I was in four four different fellowships going you know please someone help me the so, the cocaine anonymous preamble made me jones so bad it's so specific and i'm just like oh i gotta get out of here maybe you didn't maybe you didn't pick pick cocaine out of the carpets like us yeah it's like i fucking sure did god um so you know ultimately what ended up happening was uh you know i I couldn't stop and um and it just kept getting worse and um you know I was uh you know I had I had done a I had another really bad run I'd had these runs where the consumption levels were so high and uh you know um I mean you guys know you you get to the point where physically you feel like you're dying and emotionally you feel like you're Emotionally and spiritually, you feel like you want to die. Yeah. And you feel like the next time it happens that you're not going to make it. And, um, you know, I'd been on a five-day run in late September. And, you know, that five-day run was after another five-day run. It was three days. You know, I slept it off for three days. And, um, you know, I had a, a bucket full of white chips, and I couldn't get it. And everyone had lost their their faith in me. And, um you know, it was just, it was getting to the point where I was like, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to die. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get this. Other people are getting it and I'm not going to get it. And I was going to meetings, um, AA meetings, and I would get up in the middle and I would go and um, chop rails on the toilet. And then I would come back into the meeting high and sit in the kitchen while they were giving out chips. And, um, <laughs> You know, I sat, there was a meeting here in town, and um, I was two days off of a five-day run, and I sat out front at the beginning of the meeting thinking, man, I can't believe it, but I feel like going and doing it again. And, uh, you know, it was the first time that I really, like, got with God, and I I sat in my car, and I just bawled my eyes out, and I was like, you know what, God, I can't believe that this is the way that my life is going to end. As a, as a cocaine addict, that I'm going to die a cocaine addict. I've got all these things to live for. I've got a, 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 a huge home on the water and, and all this seeming success and a beautiful wife and two kids. And, you know, look at me, like, get down here. And I cursed him, like, get down here and do something. Like, show me, give me a sign, do something. You know, like, I'm trying. I am trying, but you got to do something. Like I'm begging you. If I walk in this meeting and and I I told him I said this is the last meeting I'm going to. Like I've been to a lot of meetings. I've been to treatment 
I've been to outpatient treatment. This is it, man. And and if if something doesn't happen in here, I'm just going to commit myself to to getting high and dying. Yeah. yeah. And um and this dude uh I said I went in, I sat in a meeting and um I heard someone share some stuff that resonated with me and uh and Jay, our friend Ian um was in there yeah, yeah. and I had seen him he had seen me pick up a white chip at CA a, uh, a day earlier, and he introduced me to this guy, Nathan. And Nathan was the guy who shared. And um, Nathan gave me a little bit of hope, and he told me to meet him at the Starbucks the next day. And he told me all I had to do was get through that night. And I, I went home that night, and uh, I wanted to use, but it was the first time that I bought into the one-day-at-a-time deal. And I basically... You know, my wife said, I can see it all over you. Just go do it. And I said, you know what? All I got to do is get to bed. And I got to bed. And um, and I woke up the next day and I went and met this dude. And um, he explained he explained why I kept doing it. I couldn't figure out why I kept getting high. And he explained the, the three-part illness to me, the, the physical allergy. Once I start, I can't stop. And the mental obsession that once I stop, I'm going to start again and that I don't have any defense against it and that I'm going to keep doing this over and over again and that I can't change it. Um, yeah. The spirit, spiritual malady that he said, Rick, if you don't do something different, you're going to you're going to keep doing it over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times you swear it off. You're going to do it again. And. Uh, you know, once I. I don't know if it was just that I was ready or um, or what it was, but what this guy showed me, um, I now knew what was wrong with me and why I kept doing what I was doing. And, you know, I was like, tell me what to do, man, because he showed me what the problem was and I, I needed the solution. And um, he showed me how the steps work on paper, like he showed me a a visual representation of how the steps work and that God, you know, we find God through the steps. And, um, you know, he said, I don't care what you grew up with, your Christianity, all of that. You're going to have to toss all that aside. And we're going to start here at the beginning. And, um, and we opened the book and we started reading and, and, you know, two days, two days later, um, I was on I was on my knees with this guy, a man I did not know, doing the third step prayer, um, with a contrite heart, meaning it, begging God in the third step. You know, my life run on self will was not a success. It was a disaster, and I was putting God first, and I was begging Him what, to keep me sober. What? Why don't we tell people what the third step prayer is? So the third step is, you know, in the third step, we basically we do an evaluation um, of our of our lives run on self-will up until that point. And it, I basically give up and go, you know what, God, I can't do this anymore. You run this. Yep. And I'm going I'm to put you as the director. I'm the agent. You're the father. I'm the child. And, you know, I can't run my life anymore. Yeah, and I'm gonna start. Yeah, I'm gonna start seeking you instead of me. And um, and um, 
you know, the third step prayer is, you know, offering myself to God, um, you know, to, to do with me as, as he would do. And it's not for my benefit, but for his benefit. And, um, you know, not for me, but for you, God, so that I can do your work, not my work. And, um, you know, that was the first really perspective shift. Like, why did, you know, and my, my sponsor, he, he told me, he's like, Rick, you, you know, you should be dead. The, the massive amounts of alcohol, cocaine, Xanax, Ambien, um, you know, all of those, all of those lethal amounts of drugs, you should be dead, and yet you're alive here today. So God didn't keep you alive so you can, you know, for your benefit. Mm. And, and, and the third step is really about, you know, I'm going to put you first, God, and it's about, you know, keep me sober so that I can do something for you and for others. And, um, I remember walking away from that and I was only four or five days clean. I remember driving away going, something's different here. Hmm. Something is different because I bawled my eyes out begging God to, to help me. Um, and, uh, and it was, it looks like he did. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. And, and yeah. I had this I had the same experience as far as the Christianity goes. This time around when I finally got sober, it was I had to realize because I use um the AA as a cult and they worship this like what is this higher power bullshit? Like I worship the one God and all that and then I had to really ask myself like, okay, apparently you don't believe this stuff though. Like or you believe it, but I don't know how to put it into practice. So I was like, maybe I need to do some reevaluating and really listen to these people and, and take what I know, but do it start over to a degree. So have you noticed, like, how has AA um, molded your current faith? Like, do you have, like, a church program you work as well as AA? That's kind of what I've landed on. Um, I pretty much split it half and half. Yeah, it's a great question because um, one of the things that hit me really hard out of the the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in in getting to the third step, like in that in that section on page sixty two, is um, it said you know we could have philosophical, uh, moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we couldn't live up to them even if we wanted to. Yeah. All right, and that we had to have God's help, and. Um, you know, I had, I had this, so I accepted Christ as an eight-year-old. I recommitted as a 14-year-old. I never walked away from my beliefs, but I never, I never was able to act on them because yeah. I, was an, I was an addict. And, um, and what happened was I was an addict who couldn't get more than a couple days clean at the end. And now, you know, I'm five days clean and I do my third step and now I'm six, seven, eight, nine, ten days, fourteen days. I'm fourteen days clean and I'm going, you know, wow God, this is remarkable. Mm. I got goosebumps. I'm going to bed at night going, all right, now this this is God. This is Jesus as I don't I never experienced. So yeah. now I have a new, yep. I have a new, I have a new experience going on, and and I I believe 
it's the same Christ, it's the same God. And um, as I work through the steps, um, the, you know, the inventory, and my sponsor ran me through the steps quickly. I, did, I was through seven steps in 30 days. And in 40 days, I was making amends and doing 10 and 11. And within 80 days, I was sponsoring people. And, um, you know, so I, I made my way, I made my way to, to finding God as I experienced him. It was the same Jesus and the same God, um, but just a different experience. And the miracle was that I couldn't stop doing drugs and, um, and now I could. And, and it was him that came in and, and rearranged me. And, um, do you have any trouble not wanting to push your beliefs on other people in the program since there's so much talk of a doorknob, a worship, a doorknob. Or, yeah, yeah or the flying spaghetti monster or what have you do you does do you how i'm always interested to find other christians in the program so i can ask them that question because sometimes it'll just it really aggravates me and then other times i realize that everyone it's just i don't know how, how do you handle that well did it early on and over time kind of mellowed because I think that um, I think that that's the way that God structured this thing is you know um, I I believe that the 12 step program and the way the book is written and the book itself and the whole thing is in, is divinely inspired and um, you know I think the the God of, of someone's understanding is the same God that, that I know. Um, and I think that some people just have to baby step their way to him Hmm. and, um, and that he provides, um, the baby steps to get to him for people who, who need that, that kind of, um, slow train to, to get to him. And, and, um, man, that's solid. Yeah. The, the church that I go to, and, and really, it's not it's not my place to judge. I know. Um, that That's the, that's and, the, the, well, that's the, I, I grew up in, um that's, it's untraining I'm doing because like, you know, especially in the South, um, the evangelical community has this in and out inclusiveness to it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's yeah, kind of like yeah. the whole concept of hell. It's like, I, I, you can almost sense a bitterness of like, well, I have to live right, so I'm going to get rewarded. Like you on the outskirts, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's. I, yeah. I realize that it's. Yeah, it is. It sounds super elitist, and it, but it's just like un. You know, I'm I'm, I'm growing, man. It's untraining. So that's why yeah, it's good. I, I like to get other I, people's I, perspectives, and that's a really awesome perspective. I, I get it, and I've, um, it also helps to see people come in who are either atheist or agnostic, and and be willing to to believe in something greater than themselves and then ultimately end up like on fire for Christ. Yeah, that's All true. Wild. Yeah. The ben- about, I mean, miraculous, right? Yeah. The best yeah, an- so- analogy I heard was, um, that like, say your future wife, um, was a girl named Wendy. Uh, but she had like a, a reputation of being like a whore or something. And so you would, you would never, 
have talked to her, but it, when she comes up to you, she introduced herself as like Jennifer or something. And so, like, that's how you came in the side door. That was in some book I read. I butchered that as well. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm, I'm gonna get some, I'm gonna get some feminist emails now. Cool. So, what has your walk been like? So we talked about kind of through the steps. Um, you know, what what does your spiritual life look like now? Well, um, it it is um, since I got clean. There's been a couple of. Um, so God, I have a, uh, a natural ability to forget all the amazing things that God has done for me. All right. Yeah. Cause I'm still, I'm still me. And, um, over time. So I've had some, a couple of, uh, several, like just moments where God has taken me and, um, grab me by the shoulders events that have happened and grabbed me by the shoulders and said, you cannot deny my existence. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and w- one of them was within the first 90 days of sobriety, a woman, um, I was flying home. Um, I took my wife to on a vacation and we were flying home and a, a woman sitting in our row, um, we were talking with her on the flight and she turned out to be a, a Methodist minister a woman minister, and um, out of nowhere, she said, you know, I'm being told, uh, you know, God's telling me I need to pray with you. And, you know, with with some hesitation, my wife and I said, okay, well, we'll pray with you. And, and we sat and we held hands in the aisle there on the airplane. And she prayed and she started like channeling this stuff about what was going to happen when we got off of the airplane and down to the person that we were going to meet, what they look like, what they were wearing, um, and what was going to happen when we, when we met them. Um, Whoa. And, and it happened down to the detail. Um, and and I, I'm still in touch with this person today because of that experience. So, like, God came to me in the first 90 days um, on an airplane a, a metal tube in the sky, and um, I couldn't I couldn't run from it. I was stuck in an airplane seat, and he basically said, "I'm gonna use this person, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go down to the details of the glasses, the color shirt, and the hair." And oh my gosh, that that flipped me out, but I couldn't deny it. Um, and the the second thing, or the next thing that happened was I uh, I, I when I was trying to quit smoking. Um, I was with some people from, from, uh, church and my, my Bible study group, um, a couple years clean and sober. And, um, I, I explained to them that I was trying to, to quit smoking. I was doing all the same addict behavior that I used to do when I was trying to quit, quit getting high. And, um, they laid hands on me. They just stopped and, and impromptu laid hands on me, spoken tongues over me. Um, a long prayer session that had me bent over, sweating. Um, I'd never had anything like that happen to me before. Um, in the middle of it, I came up, looked around, and then went back down. Um, they were speaking in tongues, singing in tongues. Um, I'd never heard that before. And, um, and I, after it, I came up. And after that happened, I couldn't successfully smoke anymore. Uh, 
I'm jealous like, of that. I need I was, to quit. I was, <laughs> I was healed. I oh, was that's healed. awesome. Um, and uh, so that was another event where I was freaked out by it. Um, yeah. But but I couldn't uh, I couldn't deny the existence of God. So you and, tried um, to smoke after that, and it was just like disgusting, or what? Um, some pretty freaky things happened. Um, the first time I lit up a cigarette after that was three days later. Um, and the moment I, the first cigarette that I lit up, the moment that I lit the cigarette, the guy, one of the guys who was praying over me, um, texted me oh, with a message <laughs> with, with a message that was, um, basically, you know, Jesus loves you, brother. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, it, it uh, sounds made up, but it's, it's no, I know. True. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, and I've, I, yeah, I've had thing on a cigarette and, you know, I have a pack of camel lights and I'm at a gas station and I'm light, you know, I bought a lighter and I'm lighting up a cigarette feeling crappy about myself. And the guy who was praying over me, text me the moment I'm lighting the, the cigarette and it's like, uh, you know, so I get rid of them. And then, you know, over time I want to smoke again and I can't do it. And, um, so just like I was healed from using, I was healed from, from cigarettes. And so, um, you know, that type of stuff, I've continued to kind of seek God and, and kind of grow my, you know, uh, grow my faith. And, um, you know, it's been a journey. Sometimes it's been good and sometimes it's been difficult. All the money that I had when I got clean and sober has been removed. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not rich like I used to be and that's, that's okay. Um, so that's been an interesting journey. Um, my wife who I was married to went alcoholic. Oh, wow. um, suffered through um, five years of watching my wife go down the tubes and, um, you know, going through a a really nasty um, separation and, um, you know, watching my wife uh, really suffer and struggle. And Jay, you've been a part of watching that go down and, you know, my kids. And and so, uh, you know, the gradually over time, my, um, my, my relationship with God has gotten stronger in spite of the the challenges, you know, he doesn't promise us that life's going to be happy, right? Just promises us that he's going to be there. Right. Yep. And that that he'll work it out for good. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we're, you know, we're running into time, but I want to say, Rick, you know, thanks so much for coming on. And and again, you know, what a great story. And and I think that our listeners will think it's a a good story, too. And, um, you know, just a testament to good Lord, if you can get clean, you know, know. God can do that for anybody. And then stay clean. That's the important thing through like a separation and stuff like that. Like that's the real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You That's know, awesome, it's, man. It's, it's it's interesting because um, I I hope I never forget um, the pain and the suffering, and I, I certainly 
know that I'm not the one keeping me clean today. Um, and you know, that's the main thing is that the thing that I learned that one day in the Starbucks with, with my, that first sponsor was that I couldn't keep, I couldn't get me sober. I couldn't get me clean. And, um, well, Hey, now, now your, your pain and suffering is on digital for forever. So anytime, anytime you're feeling low, just, just hit play and you'll, you'll just get on on iTunes. That's right. Yeah. So I did want to, speaking of digital, I did want to close with, uh, just one kind of funny Rick quip, but I was, so six months sober. Um, my life was in my mind at that time, incredible. I was, I had the same job for six whole months I was like eating and sleeping and like yeah. getting nice and plump in that first year of recovery plumpness <laughs> that we get. And uh, and Rick comes up to me after me. He's like, hey, man, so when are you going to start sponsoring guys? I was like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still on my fourth step. So I've been sitting on my fourth step for six months. And Rick just looks me right in the face and says, how are you not high right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Uh, uh, well, I, uh, uh, and the real answer is like, I have no idea how I wasn't high. I will say that, um, after that, but the, the first time I ever got asked to speak was at our Saturday night speaker meeting here in town. And at that time it was huge. It's not as big anymore. There's probably 150 people the night that I spoke for the first time and, and it was recorded, but I remember telling that story and then calling Rip, Rick a fourth step Nazi on tape. <laughs> so they recorded <laughs> that and, and spread that around town. So anyway, awesome. Um, love you brother. And thanks it for coming. True. Really yeah. Love you too. And, um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on and, um, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that, uh, that are new that, um, mm. are trying to get, clean and sober and um you know the message of of christianity and the message of alcoholics anonymous and the 12-step program is a message of hope and that's um, right that that's the thing i think that you know the three of us and um people who uh have gotten this thing is that it can it can be done and to not give up yeah so, for sure awesome for sure yeah thanks, awesome. thanks cool. a lot man thanks man Remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances Vanessa nigga with some counterfeits But now I'm counting this Parmesan with my accountant lips In fact I'm down in this say with my boobay Tastes like Kool-Aid for the analyst Girl I can buy your Westie world With my base stuff Ooh that pussy good Won't you sit it on my taste buds I get way too petty Won't you let me do the extra Never gonna Pull up on Yeah your block, break That was good That was good wasn't it? That was really good He's the man, dude. I told you. He is, man. He's a rad dude. Super That's what I'm saying, man. There's Brosive. He's the Brosive. Broba so, Fett. Yeah, what you got going on? That's right. That's right. Broby Wan Kenobi. What did you right, what so, did you just have to uh destroy your son's future about? Quite li- like literally literally literally? I literally. Uh, an hour ago, I had to tell my son that Santa wasn't real. He's not. <laughs> he's he's not? not. I remember it. Uh, okay. Well, first, when I found that out, uh, I cried. This is how I found out. I asked my mom. I said, "Mom, uh, how old were you?" 
first or second grade had to be something like that. Yeah, my kid, my son's five, so a little bit younger. But maybe, it, maybe it was. I was. I found out from other kids, so I, you know, at least uh, social, at least social age. So I came home and I was just like, "Mom, I need you to tell me right now." Is Santa Claus? <laughs> is Santa Claus real? Shoot me straight, Mom. Straight and she said, "No, he's not." And I said, "Okay." And I soldiered on, and I walked upstairs, shut my door, and just burst into tears. <laughs> that was the that was the first loss of innocence, man. Oh man, yeah. So we we parent, and we don't like like so. Congregation knows if you've listened to all of our episodes. Like I say, fuck in front of my kids. Like I don't sugarcoat stuff for my kids. I I um. We don't put them in harm's way by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not going to keep the truth or life from them, right? And so I'm walking in to podcast, and my wife's like, hey, babe, come in here. And she's putting both the kids down, and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming in. I have like two minutes. And she's like, Kai, tell your dad what you just told me. And he's like, dad, that man, that Santa that came to your office on Christmas was that really Santa or was that just a man dressed as Santa? And like before I could answer, he's like, is Santa real? And I was like, and I just looked at my wife and she looked back at me and I was like, Kai, I got to tell you, I will always tell you the truth. Santa's not real. <laughs> Mom and dad put presents for you under the, under the tree. Oh, how did he take it? How did he take it? He was just like shocked face. Like, Oh my gosh! Like I let him in on a secret. Like he was almost a little excited that oh, I told him the you sh- truth. You should have been we'll like, "We'll see. We'll see how it plays out." You should have been like, "Mommy and Daddy are the ones that go around the world and give kids presents. There is no <laughs> Santa Claus. I am Santa Claus, son. <laughs> I am he that is Claus." That would have been yeah. pretty funny. So anyway, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he like tells all of his friends at church or school or whatever and ruins hopes and dreams yeah all over that is South a weird Carolina. one speaking of childhood i saw beauty and the beast with my wife was that good yeah it was yeah it was was your was your moral and christian sensibility um dude that was the outraged that was the ask kaylee that was the best part of the movie like that was the funniest <laughs> shit i've ever seen was how many because they never out it was it was really just like a running joke of just like this dude totally wants to bone Gaston, and it was hilarious. <laughs> like, like these, That's uh, awesome. Like these three chicks, so these funny. three chicks were looking at Gaston, and uh, LeFou walks over and goes, "You don't have a chance, ladies." And it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was really like real That's deal awesome. funny. Like I was on the floor laughing. Like it was great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I'm sure we're gonna get hate mail now just for talking about it. But you know what? You think I don't? I don't sure bring it on whatever. whatever bring it on so i learned no i'll read any and all hate mail on the air that's that will happen oh i will too did you hear that nevada installed syringe vending machines i didn't but i have heard of in europe like safe shooting parlors yeah those are stuff. interesting with nurses and stuff which is those like are interesting incredible it is yeah. Sad places. <laughs> like when, know, did I'm you sure. see when Russell Brand went into one of those and he was just like, "All right, I kind of gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, because incredibly uh, depressing. The best one, like he went and um, if you've seen the doc, the documentaries, he like went to these chicks doing heroin and they handed him the bag and the producer was like, 
So how does it feel knowing that like you'll never like knowing that you'll never do that again? And he was holding it. He was like, I, I don't know that, you know, I, I, you know, this is quite this is rather titillating. Like uh, I'm gonna hand it back to you now. You see, I don't know that yeah. I won't do it ever again. That's the whole point, mate. It was really good. Yeah. God, yeah. I, man, see, my ac- saw- my accents are better in private. Oh. It, it it really is. Anyway. Um, I was I saw this little video like this little five minute whatever clip about some of those shooting parlors in Europe and they're going through and it's like yeah we have syringes here and I have like all my first aid kit here stuff here and really anything that an addict or um, a handful of addicts would need we have condoms right here uh, and I was like oh shit they get down like dead yeah I guess jeez I know um anywho yeah dude. See you next week. (laughs) Uh, Come on, people. All right. Please pay a dollar to make Jay watch John Wick. All right, wait, wait. wait. Can we amend the bet? Is it a dollar per movie? Or is it a Patreon per movie? Because there's two of them. Ooh, you didn't think about that. We can do that. We can do that because I can't watch John Wick 2 without any context, obviously. But these Patreons, they have to he, message us and say, like, I joined Patreon because my, because John Wick. He you say, say hello. hello. This, <clears throat> I was actually going to talk about this, how uh, I told my friends to move in to my apartment complex. And they moved into the one above me like I told them not to. And I pretty much hate my life now. And I regret <laughs> that decision eternally. And case in point, he just walked into this room and... He's just here now. <laughs> making so, faces. Making and faces. in the background. Oh, Hi, Heath. <laughs> all, right, um, all right. I'll see you later. Peace out. Hey, email Yo. us too and follow oh, us yeah. on Insta stuff. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. Love you, congregation. Deuces. Peace out.